Hi, and welcome to ARM Viewpoints. I'm Bill Sickens, filling in for Jeff Wheelwright. We're going to be talking a little bit about Windows on ARM, the new tools and hardware available to enable more apps to switch to ARM. We have two exciting guests today, so let's get started. David Whaley is the Director of Strategic Partnerships with ARM. David is currently working to ensure performance, support, and optimization for the most important software and tools within the Windows on ARM and Android ecosystems. Prior to joining ARM, David has worked on numerous mobile and desktop software products and managed key strategic partnerships at several prominent technology companies. He is currently helping drive ARM's developer recruitment efforts and streamline the developer ecosystem for Windows on ARM. David understands what is required to engage developers at an early stage and build self-sustaining software ecosystems. Dave's insights on the inner workings of these ecosystems and experience managing customer software products and building app developer partnerships has been instrumental in expanding the Windows on ARM ecosystem. Rich Turner is a Microsoft veteran with previous roles in HBO and startups. He first joined Microsoft UK in 2000 after founding his own software consultancy and development company. He now heads up a team that modernizes the Windows native app platform and their related technologies and is responsible for some of the exciting innovations being announced at Microsoft's Build 22 event. Welcome, David and Rich. Several years ago, Microsoft announced that it would run Windows 10 on ARM hardware. David, are you able to talk us through this and how this collaboration came to fruition? Thanks, Bill. Great question. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I've been at ARM um, about the time when, when uh, uh, just before these devices came to came to market. Um, I'm primarily a, a software guy, so I've been working with uh, with the different parts of, of the Windows team within Microsoft to make uh, make sure that that ARM was working well, that it was optimized, uh, that really just sort of the the ecosystem readiness was there. Um, I think there's another part. There's, there's sort of probably a whole other story around sort of how the hardware came about. Uh, I don't know if, if Rich, you could, if you have a, a better viewpoint of that. But I, I'm, I've been working on the on the, the software ecosystem sort of since the beginning, and, and that's been a, a very interesting journey. So, Rich, why don't we ask you that? Do you want to speak a little bit broadly about the hardware side of this? It's it's actually a fascinating story. Uh, if you think back, if we go back a, a little bit into history, for for some who may not have followed how Windows has evolved over the years. Uh, Windows NT, upon which all modern versions of Windows have been built, was always built from the outset to run on multiple architectures. It was actually originally built on the Intel i860 RISC processor, then the MIPS R3000, then the, X, uh, the 80386, then we brought in uh, PowerPC and uh, Deck Alpha and Itanium, and then more recently, uh, X64. And then in 2010, 11, 12 timeframe, we brought out Surface RT, which was our first foray into Surface devices, which ran uh, a version of Windows uh, on an ARM processor. And then later, in uh, just, a, just three or four years ago, we then introduced Surface Pro X, which ran on much more modern uh, ARM processors uh, with more capabilities and more RAM and so on. So um, this is, this is the, the natural evolution, really, of Windows starting to uh, adopt a, an exciting new processor, exciting new systems architecture, 
that started to become quite uh, uh, quite powerful and quite flexible. And we really just wanted to make sure that Windows and Windows developers and Windows customers have a great experience when running Windows on any hardware platform they choose to use. And so we brought support for running Windows on ARM devices uh, to the market uh, uh, just not that many years ago. What is it, three or four years ago now? But yeah, it's, it's been super exciting. As someone who, who first ran an ARM processor on an Acorn Archimedes back in 1987, uh, it's really exciting to see ARM becoming really, really interesting. Uh, interesting as a, as a viable desktop platform now. So talking about this, and David, I'm going to ask you this on the software side. What is it that separates Windows on ARM from other alternatives? Well, I think the, uh, you know, what, what ARM brings to the, to, the, to the game here really is, is uh, increased battery life, um, instant on. Um, it can be always connected. Uh, you know, it's, it's a, a lower power uh, consumption, thinner designs, fanless designs. Um, so it, it's, it, it allows a form factor that people really want, um, as well as, as the performance that everybody expects. Um, that's really what, what ARM is able to, to bring to, the, to, you know, to, to Windows, um, and, we, and we're seeing that with, uh, with the devices that are being released in the market. So uh, we think it's very exciting. Now that sounds absolutely amazing. And Rich, I'm going to throw this one out at you. This is more kind of a hardware end of things. And that's really, who are the intended buyers for Windows on ARM laptops? I mean, would it be consumers, business people, developers? And what are the models and markets? Will they expand over time? Basically, yes. <laughs> All of the above. Okay. So. Well, there you are. Hey, yeah. <laughs> well, that was easy. <laughs> as, as David said, you know, the, uh, ARM has some very interesting characteristics in particular around power management, long battery life, uh, fanless cooling or very, very low fan cooling, uh, et cetera, et cetera, uh, plus a lot of flexibility in what can be integrated onto an individual SOC. Um, so we see ARM as a really interesting uh, platform, especially for ultra mobile and mobile uh, scenarios. People, people have to work on large, large uh, you know, industrial engineering sites or have to travel around a lot with a device. Having to carry a power brick with you and keep plugging it in is something that uh, uh, is a bit limiting in many, many scenarios. So we see ARM as a really interesting platform for, uh, in particular, the, the, uh, the very mobile worker, uh, which could be anyone from a doctor or a vet or an engineer working in a petrochemical refinery you know, that needs to be out and about all day long, all the way down to uh, office workers who might just need to pick up a device once a week and take it to a given site or to a meeting and then come back and maybe leave it alone for a while. There's all kinds of scenarios in which a more mobile working pattern can free up people to work more flexibly, and we're really excited about that. And it does seem this would lead to smaller and thinner devices and all that kind of stuff, less power consumption. I think that's absolutely amazing. Absolutely. Well, you, you look at when you, when you go to a restaurant these days, oftentimes the waiters are carrying around a, a small tablet of some kind to take your order or to process payment, et cetera, et cetera. So there's all kinds of opportunities I think we haven't even begun to tap yet where smaller, more flexible uh, uh, devices or devices built for a more specialist use uh, will become really interesting and prevalent. So we're, we're keen for, for Windows to be able to uh, have, a, have a place there as well and a story to tell. Now, one other huge issue with any ecosystem of hardware and software is what you can run on it and what people are doing for it. And David, I think I'm going to throw this one at you because this is more software end of it. Um, how is the Windows on ARM ecosystem developing? Great question. I, mean, I think that this is very, uh, you know, this is, this, is, this is the hard part. Um, 
you know, we're, we're overcoming um, years and years of legacy uh, around x80, you know, x86, x64. You reap the, the most benefit of the ARM architecture by having an app that runs natively. Um, just you know, without without question, Windows on ARM came out first with uh, with 32-bit app emulation, uh, worked great. Um, but there was a, a power hit, um, there was a performance hit. Now with Windows 11, there's 64-bit emulation it's, that that's very good. Um, there's also uh, something called ARM 64EC, which allows you to uh, to basically wall off certain libraries, certain portions of your of your app um, that uh, that continue to run emulated, but the rest of it runs natively. Uh, we've been doing some testing with that. Um, great performance, uh, great great power efficiency, that sort of thing. Uh, but we are also looking very closely and, and working very hard to get the tools, the frameworks, the compilers, all the tools that everybody's used to using for developing native apps, getting them ported over to ARM. Um, we've done, uh, a, yeah, we've done a ton of work with, uh, with Microsoft. Um, you know, we've done some work, uh, you know, ARM does its best work really in the open source community. Uh, that's what we're, uh, that's what we're accustomed to. Um, and so we've done uh, uh, work, uh, and, and Microsoft thankfully has, has joined Linaro um, around the first of the year, which is a, which is the sort of the ARM open source community. And there's a, there's a Windows group there that's, that's now working on, uh, you know, sort of app frameworks, Compilers, uh, uh, LLVM is is now available. Um, Qt, uh, uh, we've done the Electron and CEF app frameworks, uh, and all those are being being maintained and, and, and built by by Linaro. So, so we're seeing um, a lot a lot of momentum, um, which we think is great. Uh, we're seeing more and more, um, you know, sort of things happening that uh, that. You know, hopefully we, we see more more Microsoft tools as well, and uh, you know that's that's what we're that's what we're hoping for, and and we're we're working to make that happen. So, what do you think of some of the mainstream stuff, like say Netflix or Adobe Illustrator or something like that? Are we seeing that coming to the ecosystem eventually? Yeah, what we're really shooting for is a self-sustained sort of organic, uh, you know, ecosystem where apps just appear. It's not where it, where it has to be a high touch by either ARM or or Microsoft or, or anybody else. Um, so we are seeing apps that are that are that are coming. Um, like you mentioned, o Adobe Illustrator. There's a version of of Adobe Photoshop um, that are that it's native. Um, obviously, all the the Microsoft Office apps are are native or at least run ARM 64 EC. Uh, you know, in support of their their large plugin um, communities, that sort of thing. Zoom has come out as as native. Uh, Amazon Music, Kindle Reader. There's 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 quite a few apps that that. Uh, that, that pop out and, and what we what we do sort of the strategy that we've had is we we try to engage those app developers with the apps that people expect to be running well on the platform and if they're blocked with something um, we, we engage them find out how they're blocked and see if, we, if there's some way that we can prioritize fixing what they're blocked by and maybe that's going out to Lenaro and saying hey you know these guys are blocked by you know Python or Something else that they use, some some math library um, that we could potentially uh, port over or, or or optimize for for Windows on ARM. Um, it, you know, if, if there's that sort of situation, that's that's how we how we try to tackle it. I love what what David was saying. You know, the software really is the key to this whole thing. Uh, if we don't have ARM native applications that run beautifully on ARM hardware, taking full advantage of the performance and the battery life and so on that ARM devices offer, then uh, we kind of missed a, missed a huge opportunity there. 
And the, the emulation technology that we currently have is great in terms of being able to get things running initially. But ideally, we'd want more and more and more applications to be ported to ARM native and, and to be able to take full advantage of the hardware underneath. And that's why we've been plowing enormous effort over the last year, 18 months or so, into bringing so many of our key developer tools, runtimes, frameworks, and so on, uh, to themselves run natively on ARM and enable developers to build ARM applications using tools that they're familiar with, they're comfortable with, you know, Visual Studio, for example, uh, .NET Framework, our VC compiler runtime uh, and toolchain, uh, bringing all of these tools to the developers so that developers are no longer blocked by not being able to have a tight and effective development loop, nor the developer tools that they would rely on to build the applications that end users will later run. So we're super, super excited to finally bring real ARM native versions of Visual Studio, .NET Framework, Visual Studio, and working with David and Lenaro and many others, uh, both, both uh, 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 closed source as well as open source vendors of libraries and tools uh, to start bringing that ecosystem uh, uh, to run on Windows on ARM as well. No, that sounds amazing. Now, as an app developer myself, I'm going to throw this next question out at you, and either one of you take it, whoever wants to just jump in on it. This is all great if I'm sitting down and writing new software, but what about my legacy code? You know, I, you talked about emulation, all that kind of stuff, but that almost always brings in a performance hit. Is there a path to being able to deal with that more directly? Um so that's a really good question. If I'm, if, I, if you don't mind, yeah, David, I'll jump in very quickly. Because uh, you, you did say anyone take it. <laughs> yes, absolutely, absolutely. Um, <laughs> all yours, Rich. <laughs> but f f fundamentally, from Microsoft's perspective, we largely don't want developers to even notice they're running on ARM nor building for ARM. Their code should uh, uh, just rebuild and work. Right? We want developers to be as productive as they are today building a traditional Windows PC application as they would be building the same application but targeting ARM. We want them to have the same tools. We want them to see the same error messages if they have a bug in their code as they might do if they were to build on x64. Um, but we want the developers to largely to, to have a no-op opportunity right? where they go, huh, this is familiar. I'm, I'm familiar with this. I can just drop down this the architecture that I'm targeting my application for. I hit rebuild. And everything just works. It shouldn't. It shouldn't be a huge amount of effort to bring an awful lot of applications to run natively on ARM. That's the key goal with this. If we have to ask developers to go out of their way to do additional and uh, work that they weren't uh, already prepared to do, then uh, that's added an extra cost to them. That's added an impedance that prevents them from porting their apps. So wherever we possibly can, we'd like the operation to be a no-op and for them to simply say, "Huh." It's largely a recompile, maybe a couple of tweaks here and there, but it shouldn't be a huge amount of effort. I know for one, I'd find that absolutely amazing. David, go ahead. No, I think, <laughs> I think the one thing I can add is, you know, about, I'm going to say probably two years ago, uh, you know, we were, we were most concerned about getting native apps on, onto the platform. So developing on, on another architecture, targeting ARM was perfectly okay. Um, and and that, was, that was, you know, two years ago. And, and since then, we're really concentrating on on ARM development on ARM, for ARM on, on ARM, and and that makes it um, even easier for the for the app developers to to you know to, to compile to test um, and and really sort of the sort of the next thing that we that we're really focusing on is you know, you know sort of how does how does a developer test things um, how do they get these things 
um, you know, sort of into a, a CI/CD um, situation, so that uh, so that they act just like any other app that they've been building for the last few years. And and that's um, you know that's the part that that we're we're focused on as well as well as the tools, um, but also just sort of the methodology and and how how developers um, actually do the work. And and we've you know we've gone out and. You know, there's certain websites that we go out and talk talk to people, poll, um, survey developers, just sort of see what they're doing, and uh, and that helps us understand sort of where we need to prioritize. Yeah, that that, that latter point you made actually about the CI/CD is super important as well. Uh, we've spoken with a lot of developers over the last few years, and I don't know many developers these days that aren't touched at least in some way by some fi- some form of CI/CD, be it in-house hosted CI/CD in their own lab, uh, build labs and infrastructure, or using things like Azure DevOps and GitHub and so on and so on to build their uh, their applications in the sky. And so we really are very, very keen to uh, to help support those workflows as well, which is why uh, Azure team at Microsoft have been building ARM VMs in the sky. The ARM in, in, uh, VM infrastructure can then be used by Azure DevOps and GitHub and others to then build out their CI/CD services as well, so that you'll be able to push your code to your repo that will automatically trigger a build process that builds your application in an ARM VM using ARM native compilers and linkers and runtimes uh, run and frameworks and so on, and then crucially execute your built binaries and run all of your unit tests. That's a big gap that, that, that blocks a lot of people right now, where you can build cross-compiling, you can build the application in X64 VM, but you can't run the tests. And so having the ability to actually run your full suite of unit tests as well and integration tests and so on as part of your CI CD is absolutely crucial. So we're super excited that Azure has now got ARM64 VMs and that we'll be working uh, over the next year or so uh, to figure out how to uh, deliver all of the GitHub and Azure DevOps services that developers will need to build and test their applications up in the sky as well. Now that, I mean that sounds amazing. Having a having a VM working like that has got to save a lot of time and yes. money. Just you know on the on the base of it going forward. Absolutely. And it seems like it could eliminate a lot of other problems. So going forward, what are we looking at for the future? What does the future hold for Windows on ARM? David, go ahead. You know, from our from our standpoint, we think that this is uh, you know I, I think we've proven out that the ARM architecture is is more than capable of of powering these these class devices. Um, I think we've seen it. Uh, you know, there's also you know, these these types of, of processors running on on infrastructure in the cloud. Uh, you know, it, it's it's absolutely um, not the case that 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 every ARM arch- architecture, every ARM processor is running on a smartphone. Um, uh, you know, it, it's it's much more capable than that. And uh, we see you know more and more um, you know more and more devices coming out, um, and, and we expect. Uh, the Windows and ARM uh, platform to to be successful into the future. Yeah, the uh, from the Windows side, sorry, from the Microsoft side of things, I should say, this isn't just about Windows. This is about all of our applications, developer tools, and so on and so on, um, being available on ARM. And by the end of 2022, our goal is to have the majority of our sort of mainstream key developer tool set available natively for ARM in GA and generally available. So it's fully supported, so enterprises can buy in and so on. So by the end of this year, we'd like to, we'd like to have the vast majority of, of developers unblocked 
and being able to start porting their application uh, 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 or building applications for ARM if they're starting from scratch as well. Um, and then moving forward into next year, we'd like to make sure that, for example, ARM gaming is an exciting opportunity for developers to explore as well. And we want to make sure they have all the dev tools they need to build the tools that game developers themselves need to use, as well as the games themselves. Uh, enterprise applications, for example, is a huge opportunity. ARM has, again, with, with its mobility and its uh, relatively frugal power consumption and so on, uh, we think that portable devices are super interesting and important for hospitals and schools and large organizations. So you think about all those millions and millions of line of business applications, things that enterprise developers have been building for years. Wouldn't it be great if they could literally just take that, quick recompile, and now it's available for ARM? We think that's a really powerful story as well. So we're working really, really hard to make those, uh, those futures a, a, a reality as well. So it just seems like going forward, the sky's the limit in many ways on what you can do at productivity. And you're talking about gaming on down the road and all that kind of thing. So I think it's going to be exciting to see where this ends up. Well, David Rich, thank you for joining us this week on Viewpoints. Thanks to you both for sharing your insider's perspective. And thank you for listening. 